ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast. And you are listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, 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 radio. Do I have everybody's attention now? Ladies and gentlemen. King Kong is climbing to the Empire State Building, but here comes the cavalry! Introducing first, from parts unknown, our resident Mark, Johnny Smart. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Next, coming down the aisle, the unstoppable force, the immovable object, Doc Haas. Haas. I can't help it. That I'm custom made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, Woo! can't dance all night long. And here is your host, the baby face of podcasting, JC Bowles. You know what? You just made the list. Elizabeth, go right now, go and left. Can I ask you a question, Macho Man? You're listening to the fourth wall wrestlecast. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. Wall. And what up, fam? Welcome to the biggest draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. Welcome to the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. Check us out right here every Saturday on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. If you're not already, please give Wrestle Addict Radio a follow on Twitter at Addict underscore Wrestle and on Instagram at Wrestle Addict Radio. I am your host with the most, the babyface of podcasting, J.C. Bones. And as always, I am accompanied here with my good brother, the good doctor who is filling prescriptions for your weekly kayfabe consumption every week. Ladies and gentlemen, the phenomenal Doc Haas. Well, what up, baby? How you doing tonight? I'm chilling, bro. How you living? Oh, so I'm living pretty good. I uh, so for those of you uh, listening in podcast land, it's about uh, let's see, quarter to one 
on early Saturday morning and we're recording nice and late. And it's all my fault. It's all my fault because I got uh, a backstage pass action to uh, the government mule show tonight at Stone Pony Summer Stage. And I got to meet one of my all time music heroes, uh, Warren Ainge. That was pretty cool. And it was also a nice little networking opportunity being that I am a professional musician. <laughs> so it was cool. Cool night. And uh, we had to push the podcast back a little bit because um, Sally Pants over there didn't want to record late on Wednesday night. And, oh, wait, but I'm oh, ready me? to go now. Wait, yeah, me? About you. Sally Pants? Yo, you? bro. <laughs> well, when you're the Wolf of Wall Street, man, you put in some crazy hours. Yeah, I hear you. No, I hear you, man. Crazy hours are what we do. So, uh, and it, luckily, we have a... Uh, we had some big news. When did the news of Bischoff and um, and Heyman drop yesterday? Did that just or dropped Thursday? yesterday. So that was good time. So luckily, we li- good thing we didn't record on Wednesday because you wouldn't have got to hear all the great things we have to say about Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Heyman, not surprised. I feel like I even mentioned a few months ago, I even said, like, you know, why not let Heyman take over creative? I feel like that those words came out of my mouth at some point. And maybe not in the podcast, but I know they've come out of my mouth and like, you know, in any wrestling talk when we talk about creative. Bischoff did not see that coming. Not at all. Not it's, gonna, it's actually all. interesting for I wonder what's going to happen to their podcast. I mean, Bruce Pritchard still works for creative and something to wrestle. One of, you know, obviously the probably the biggest wrestling podcast out there has kind of fallen to the wayside for Bruce. They've been doing a lot of best of episodes and Bruce can't make some episodes, so Shivani's on the episode and now Bischoff's going to be doing his thing and that that was like that's Conrad's those are his babies right there. And I wonder how this is going to affect their shows and if we're going to see 83 weeks on the network like we saw something else oh, to wrestle with on the I network. Jared I guarantee you're going to see 83 weeks on the network. That has to be a part of the deal. It's, I don't even think Bischoff even entertains the thought of coming back if 83 weeks isn't on it's the network. Right. Um, I think it's and I think it's cool for Conrad Thompson. I mean, just you have to, you know, for him, like it just gives him a chance to evolve a little bit and have a bigger platform. Um, I, it's it's ironic. Bully Ray or Bubba Ray had a cool little point where he said it's interesting that Vince, the two biggest thorns in Vince McMahon's side in his whole professional wrestling promoter career are, coming are now his two save. biggest assets. <laughs> yep. It's like, he's afraid of me. He's like, Hey, save the day, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Fox isn't happy apparently. And you know, ratings are still down. And I think there's some decent, like, there's some like seeds planted for some decent stories right now. It's just, you know, now we have, I think the right guys in there to grow them properly. Um, I look at say Bischoff, you know, Bischoff, who obviously is the curator of the NWO, arguably the greatest faction of all time. You know, you could put the four horsemen in DX as the, you know, they're the golden three, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, he really did a good job at bringing the the television element to life. You know, what WCW Nitro was really good at when they when the NWO started was that 
The NWO was the top of the card, but Hogan didn't have to wrestle every week. He just had to appear, and he had good promos, and he had meaningful segments that built towards whatever match Hogan had, whether it was Stain or Ric Flair or whomever. You know, that was, and then the undercard was where the wrestlers, the up and coming wrestlers, got their chance to shine. What killed Bischoff in the end was that when some of those guys like Jericho, Mysterio, Guerrero, when they all finally started to shine, Benoit. Benoit, thank you. Thank I knew you. I was you forgetting. Can't Benoit. Benoit. I don't know, Benoit. You're right. And even like you know, kind of the mismanagement of the big show, his in and out of the NWO. All these younger guys, once they were getting up there to the point where they should have been like put into you know at least you know main event feuds, maybe they lost for the title. They never got there, and those guys all left. And when those guys all left, WCW fell apart. Um, Bischoff isn't going to have to worry about that anymore because as long as Triple H is around running NXT. That problem will be completely solved. So now Bischoff can really focus on what he did best. And that's come up with like good creative like TV that people are going to be enticed to watch. NWO was must see TV. Bischoff needs to create that again somehow. Right. Now How we're he does talk that? about. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, go, 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 no, go. I've been go. going for a while. I need to hear what you got to say. Go. Before I get into that, Doc. Well, fam, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to episode 32 of the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. If you enjoy the Fourth Wall experience, show your support by following us on all social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fourth WallCast. That's the number four, T-H-W-A-L-L-C-A-S-T. Well, fam, I hope you are all sitting down because we have a jam-packed show for you. Doc and I are going to discuss all things from Bischoff and Heyman to Seth and Becky even Mercy the Buzzard and Abigail the Doll. Then we're going to take an adventure on the indies, and we're going to talk all things AEW, and we're going to cover this weekend's second AEW event, Fighter Fest. But before we get into today's show, here's a quick word from our good brother, Nate, the effing great host of the Game Changers podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the effing great from the Game Changer podcast. Get ready for a war, because you're listening to Wrestle Attic Radio. And we're back, fam, so make sure you give the Game Changers podcast a follow on Twitter at Real Effin' Game. Now, Doc, let's continue our talk about Heyman and Bischoff. You know, I've been seeing some negative, uh, negative feelings behind Heyman and Bischoff coming back to WWE. I'm seeing a lot of, oh, it's the return of the Attitude Era. I feel like people are not looking at it through the right lenses we're looking at guys like you and myself and a lot of our listeners are looking at this through the creative eyes of people like Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman Bischoff Heyman Bruce Pritchard Vince McMahon Jeff Jarrett these are some of the most creative minds in the world of wrestling and I include Jarrett in there because Jarrett did run TNA okay they're all involved now in the Excuse me, producing and creative process behind the scenes. You also have to include Triple H. I'm sure Stephanie and Shane still have a say, but they have some of the the best creative minds in pro wrestling and sports entertainment in the same room right now. So I'm not looking at it like, oh, it's the return of the Attitude Era because, and I feel like this is Vince McMahon's fault. Vince McMahon brings back a lot of the legends all the time, right? Undertaker right. always comes back. Goldberg mm-hmm. comes back. Sting came back for a, a, a very unfortunate run in WWE. But if you look 
if you take a step back and look at the entire creative of wrestling, wrestling does evolve and it does change with the times, okay? It might take them a lot longer than it should, but they always eventually adapt because they do know change is good. So I feel like Bischoff and Heyman are coming in there with a whole new set of eyes. They've been, aside from Heyman, because Heyman's been involved with only Brock, but not involved with the entire creative process. But he's been looking I know at he, it. Apparently, well, he he does he does get pointers backstage. He does work backstage with the talent. Yeah, but I don't like know almost how like much it seems like a Shawn Michaels creative. role, like an NXT. You, yeah, you know? I don't know how much of a hand Heyman has in creative though. You really never see his name revolving around creative recently, at least. But regardless, right. in that sense, he's been focusing more on managing Brock. So even so, him and Bischoff have been looking at wrestling, at sports entertainment, the WWE product from a different set of eyes, from the eyes of the fan. So I feel like because of that perspective they have, they're going to be going into this with a whole new set of eyes. And I think the creative is going to be the the shot in the arm WWE has needed in the most recent past. Yes, that's what I hope happens. Now, I have to ask you this. At the end of the day, you hire Heyman, you hire Bischoff, you have Richard already, Jeff Jarrett, you all these guys, right? Um, you have Triple H and Shawn Michaels and NXT. It's a great team. At the end of the day, Vince McMahon is still in charge. And is he going to listen to anybody? Well, Dude, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff carried fucking ball sack to fucking, like, tell Vince he's wrong and actually get Vince to believe things sometimes. And now here is my answer to that question, and I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know if you saw it, but I already saw it floating on social media that they're already announcing the, I guess I'll say the debut of Heyman as executive director of Raw and the debut of Bischoff as the executive director of SmackDown, I believe it's the 16th and 17th or 17th, 18th of July. So but those episodes, wait until after July 4th. Okay. Yeah, but they're marketing, they're advertising those episodes with these headlining matches. On Raw, Becky Lynch is going to defend her Raw Women's Championship against Lacey Evans again. Seth Rollins is going to defend the Universal Championship against Baron Corbin again. And guess who's fighting on SmackDown? Bailey is defending the SmackDown Women's Title against Charlotte, which, out of all these matches, all right, I'm okay that's with not, that that's one. Not, that's not the worst booking. Right. That's but not then terrible. Kofi yeah. is defending against Dolph Ziggler again. Again. I feel like this past week was supposed to be the end of those singles matches, which is why we're Should getting the mixed tag match. At extreme rules between Baron, Lacey, Becky, and right. Seth, right? And I think, and I think the mixed tag match was a good way to just get like one more little thing at his feud before SummerSlam starts, right. and so, Seth goes into like the big feud that he's gonna have. So why are that we going be. to put them in the ring again, one on one, on this big Raw? That's I feel like terrible decision. It's, it's a weak start, and I feel like that is a Vince McMahon thing. Right, so why isn't Paul Heyman saying like, "Hey, why are you giving like these people have all had multiple matches recently? You need to switch it up a bit. There's plenty of other talent that deserve right. a shot in the title picture, women and men. Like instead of having that waste of a match between Ember and Ember Moon and Sonya Deville this week, that could have been a number one contenders match for 
either of the women's titles since there's no brand split really, and that could have been one. That could have been your raw title match on this big night. Now you have a new up and coming talent getting a chance to shine in a big title match against arguably the most popular wrestler in the whole promotion. Well, I'm really curious to see how Heyman and Bischoff pull out of this one. Now, this could be a work. They could be trolling us and advertising these four headlining matches, but then the night of, it is live, Bischoff and Heyman come out to get a pop and they change it and give us something that we want to see. That'd be cool, though. That would be a nice little swerve. Right. So that way it'll help put the new executive producers over, not that they nearly need to be over you know, I think it's going to be awesome. You know, Eric Bischoff's theme, which was playing at the beginning of this episode, is I'm back. I cannot <laughs> wait to hear that song go over. The, I want SmackDown to open with that, with, oh, with Bischoff. Yeah, they're both happening, and Raw's going to. When you make a huge personnel change like that, and now you're deciding to write it in the script, so obviously it looks like they're going to be on TV too, then they have to open the show. Like, they have to come out with a mission statement for the show, and they have to present their vision. I think they're at a point where they really have to present what their vision for Raw and SmackDown is going to be to the audience. That's what their first step is. But now, isn't it funny how when. The McMahon-Helmsley regime came back back in January before Royal Rumble. We were the authority. There was not going to be any more authority figures on TV. Now, we're reintroducing Bischoff and Heyman. Are they going to be on-screen characters? I I, I feel like they are, and I don't mind they should be, because obviously, you know, the not having, fine, there's no authority figures on TV, but TV ratings are low, so... Obviously, that's not Shane McMahon working. is in like six to eight segments a week. Yeah, and they're not. And Shane, it sucked because they could be using Shane, right? And they're not. Like, such as, um, who's the, the Elias match this week? Elias faced um, um, The Miz, right? Right. And Why is Shane? Match. Okay, Shane is coming down as Elias's manager. That's cool. Why does Shane need to have his own entrance first? We get it. He's an ego. His character is an egomaniac. But we don't. We, we can cut like some fat out of the show now. Shane does right. not need to enter first and then Elias. Shane can come out and say, ladies and gentlemen, Elias, I'm okay with right. that as his manager. But to have his own theme and to do his little Shane shuffle, like it's just, you're like, it's just too much. You could be using him right. And, and there's certain things they are doing right. Shane can go. Shane's cool, put a Bueller. McMahon's have usually helped elevate rosters and vice versa. When you have the right wrestler, we argued about this last, we talked about this last week with Stone Cold and Vince, how they helped elevate each other, their characters. Like, I think Shane has that in him. I think Shane, I think Shane has that in him, you know, with Roman. I think even the Undertaker thing is a curious incision. The Undertaker has a history with Shane. So Mm -hmm. there's some logic to it. Um, I, Maybe Undertaker. I don't know what, what's Undertaker's long-term reasoning for being back. Like, I want to see a long-term vision for why he's coming back for fucking Extreme Rules. I think this is why. Maybe I'm looking into it too much, but like you said, Shane and Undertaker have a history. Shane never beat Undertaker. Okay, Roman Reigns beat Undertaker and supposedly retired him at WrestleMania 34. Right? Now so, 30. 30. 33. 33. 34 is a Cena match. 
34 was seen. Oh, that's right, right. So yeah. 33. But before WrestleMania 33, whose yard was it? It was Roman's yard. No, no, before before oh, WrestleMania. Oh, oh, I was like Roman won. So I'm sorry. It yeah, was Undertaker's, Undertaker's. It was the Undertaker's yard, right. When, right, Roman, Ro- when Roman won, then it became his yard. Shane McMahon's promo this past week said it was his yard. If they play that story, that makes sense. That makes sense that Undertaker is coming back to help Roman because it's not Shane's yard. It was their yard. It was Taker's first. Roman rightfully defeated him for the ownership of the yard. So Shane can't be saying this is his yard. What if Taker's coming back and turns on Roman? That's where I was going to go. Because I'm saying, like, why does Roman need Undertaker's help to defend his yard from fucking Shane McMahon? Right. And and Roman does not need the rub from Taker at this point. The only person that's going to get a rub at being in this match is Drew McIntyre. So what you think is going to happen is down the line is going to lead to an Undertaker Drew McIntyre. Sorry about that, fam. We had some crazy shit happening outside of Doc's window. We had yeah, to go uh, knock some people out for interrupting the recording. Oh, my God. I fucking dropped the hammer. No, there's some fucking crazy dude yelling out there with a dog and shit. A fucking neighborhood, man. Only in Jersey, guys. <laughs> Only in Jersey. Anyway, fucking so, Doc. So I really do feel if anyone's going to be getting the rub in this match, it's going to be Drew McIntyre. First of all, has Drew ever really been in the ring with Taker before? I don't think so. I'm trying At to think. Not, maybe not like in recent maybe history, like not since some, his like in his first run, he might have 